Hello! Welcome to Cheese the Day, the official cheese cast of the North Coast Co-op. Brought to you by my cat who prefers corn chips over cheese. Crazy, I know. Yeah, it's true. Corn chips over... Your cat likes corn chips? Yes. She won't eat any other food out of your hand. Except for corn chips. But like, corn chips, all about it. And if one falls on the floor while you're eating chips and dip, she will come running. To get the corn wow. chip from. Sorry, I had to derail the but intro just to make sure that I heard you right. But a piece of cheese is suspect. Yes. Anyway, my, Sorry. Name, yeah. my name is Veronica. I'm the cheese department head at the Arcata Co-op. And I'm here with my fellow cheese nerd. I'm Thomas. I'm the cheese department head in the Eureka Co-op. And I don't believe your corn chip story about your cat. You don't own a cat. That's ridiculous. You'll That's crazy. You'll have to come over and see. <laughs> it's true. Um, so today we're going to talk about government cheese. Yeah. We talked about American cheese in our last episode. And government cheese is an American cheese. It's very American and cheese. some would say it's a similar, definitely a similar type of cheese. Actually, maybe American cheese derived from government cheese? In no. A way? No? I, Did American cheese come first? I have an answer to that. American cheese came first. And was actually invented first by a Swiss scientist looking for a way to preserve cheese. Hmm. I think I, think I remember you yeah, talking about that. Yeah, that was a separate. I, I think we talked about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I definitely read it in the research for the American Cheese episode, and I hope I got to say it in our last episode. I don't recall, because <laughs> we're actually recording these a little ways apart. Yeah. Yeah. So government cheese government cheese we all have feelings about government cheese we all have feelings about government cheese and in, to be clear we are talking about the substance the actual cheese product comes in a five pound loaf wrapped in nondescript packaging like brown brown cardboard box with black letters yes usda stamps and just it. like the legislation that created it and mandated its creation says it is easily sliceable and melts easily. Yes. Very, very easily. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Government cheese is one of those things that this we're going to talk about its creation. And I want to say this at the beginning. This topic covers a lot of ground. This is not unlike uh, when we talked about the creation of Mimolette and... The Netherlands got flooded during that story. A, a lot of stuff <laughs> happens. This covers like the Great Depression, revolutions in foreign countries. There's a lot here. It's got a big background. It's got a big background. But I think most of what people know of government cheese happened in the 70s and 80s. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The, the 80s, early 90s, that's like the heyday of government cheese. That's like... I, I'm I'm part of that generation. I remember government cheese very very vaguely. Like I was I was a little bit young to to really know where the cheese was coming from because I wasn't involved in the cooking a lot back then. I don't think that I've ever had government cheese, but I know lots of people who have yeah fond or not fond memories of government cheese. I had to double check in preparation for this episode. I was I was asking my mom like, Mom, did we eat government cheese? Like I know like. Did we did we have that? Did I ever eat that? And she was like, "Yeah, but only like twice, because we didn't. We, it was we didn't care for it as a family. Like, 
And and we we had the option to be like, eh, let's just not have cheese. That's <laughs> fine. We don't need. It was. My parents feel strongly enough about American cheese that they were like, wait, basically the same thing, but in a loaf? No. This is too far. <laughs> Science has gone too far. <laughs> uh, but uh, most people's, uh, and, and definitely my first interaction with government cheese was uh, as part of a food aid program or mm-hmm. a school lunch program often. And, mm. you know, so uh, a lot of people just uh, don't really have the choice of cheeses at that point and well, that's, that's the cheese they've got. Yeah, that was kind of the point of government cheese. Yeah. And a lot of people, given the choice today, would still choose that cheese because they're like, this is the cheese of my childhood. This is the cheese of grilled cheese sandwiches. This is the my cheese that life. helps make my mac and cheese the only way it can be the perfection yeah. of my childhood memories. Because there is no replacing the texture. I will say that. You either love the texture or hate the texture. I assume there's some people in the middle. But like, well, and maybe. There, there is no more government cheese as what we're going to talk about. It's Velveeta now. Yeah. Okay. Which is similar, but not exactly the same. I don't know. I, Okay. Uh, it's time to make a confession. I don't think I've ever had Velveeta. I have as part of a uh, part of a dip at someone's potluck gathering. Okay. I may have at a potluck or like, because I've eaten a lot of like cheese dips made by strangers. <laughs> like the people I know. Like, right. And, you know, potlucks <laughs> and things. Not, I'm not just like, people are walking up to me on the street like, hey, you want some cheese dip? And I'm like, hell, heck yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. Give me that cheese dip. Weird stranger in an alley? No, this is, this is like, so uh, maybe I've had Velveeta, but I don't know it. So I, you say Velveeta, and I'm like, I thought that was like, I think of it like cheese whiz. No, it's they. It's a solid. It's, it's a solid block that you can. I think typically, huh? When you buy Velveeta, it comes in the brick, like a two pound brick. Have I had Velveeta? I don't think I have. Sorry, I'm I'm distracted. This is this is the intro all over again. Let's talk about your cat and corn chips some more. <laughs> Uh, no, let's talk about government cheese. And I, I just want to, like, say at the beginning here that this covers uh, topics like poverty and geopolitics in the Middle East and a whole lot of, like, radioactive topics that we should definitely go into great detail about on a podcast that's about cheese and is sponsored by a local grocery co-op. <laughs> that, like, yeah, this is the hard-hitting journalism that our audience wants, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, needless to say, we're going to gloss over a lot of politics here that is, like, incredibly interesting if you like history or politics or, you know, grew up in this country and were influenced by all of the things that... Because this, this cheese has just... So many connections to so many famous world events. Yeah. Yeah. For example, the Great Depression. The The company, the Commodity Credit Corporation, which was a, a government-owned corporation that actually, like, made the cheese. They're who the government cheese was, was created by. They were given the authority to do this. They were started in the Great Depression 
to stabilize food prices. So that's like the beginning of the story. The Great Depression happens, and as part of the government's reaction to that, they created the CCC, the Commodity Credit Corporation. Mm. And then in 1949, Harry Truman signed the Agricultural Act of 1949. And that gave the CCC the power to buy the dairy products that farmers had in excess to help stabilize milk prices. Mm. And interestingly, I checked, that law is still in action, still exists. It is current law. It has been amended several times, but so in still kicking. So... That's 1949. But then in the 70s, what was it, 77? Yeah. Eisenhower wanted to... Eisenhower? Was it? Who was it? No, no. Who am I? <laughs> Sorry. That, that was... A, that was a, I said 1949, and you're, like, jumping around. But I'm like, well, yeah, 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 I'm, yeah, I'm thinking, like, ahead. Like, how do we get to government cheese how do we get from to the 70s cheese? and the 80s? In the 70s... Sorry. We'll edit this part out where I can't remember. <laughs> the president I'm thinking of... Was Reagan. No. Carter. Reagan? Carter. Jimmy Carter. So, in the 70s. So how we get to government cheese? From 1949 to... We have to jump forward in time to the oil crises or oil shocks of the 70s. And as many of our viewers may know, every time the price of gasoline surges, generally the price of foods also surges because foods are, you know, shipped in trucks and trucks need gasoline, Uh, especially dairy. Dairy gets moved around a lot because there's large dairies typically in places and, you know, not everybody has a local cow. So milk needs to get to where the people are. Dairy comes from rural places and then you need to be able Mm -hmm. to bring it to... The cities. Yeah. So fast forward to the 1970s. People are waiting in long gas lines. People are freaking out. Uh, this is this is a problem. Uh, a war happened in the Middle East involving Israel and a bunch of other Arab nations. And the U.S. supported Israel in that war. And OPEC did an oil embargo on the U.S. And gas prices surged. And... The price of dairy surged at the same time. And that's really where government cheese sort of explodes onto the scene. <laughs> the U.S. government decided, okay, so dairy prices are surging. We need to do something about that. So they got together, they did some subsidies, and they pushed the price of dairy down. Get it back down there. And then the dairy industry was like, hang on, the price of dairy is too low. So, in 1977, there was a subsidy to the dairy industry for $2 billion. And as part of that subsidy, they said, hey, yes, the price of dairy is very low. That's good for Americans. We want them to be able to buy dairy products. It's not so good if you're a dairy farmer, though. So they said, okay, we'll buy your excess dairy. You've got spare milk that you can't sell on the open market. The government will buy it. The government, in the form of the Commodities and Credit Corporation, that's what they're there for. They're there to stabilize agricultural prices. So they started buying milk and, like, tons of milk, literally. So so much milk. 
And then what do you do with all that milk? Because it's exactly. it's going bad right away. It's good. It's milk. So they turn it into butter. They turn it into powdered milk, and they, and turn, they turn it, it in into to government cheese. Government cheese. The cheddar. It. I. I read that it doesn't have to be cheddar. It's all orange, but like technically, you can also make it out of. I think they said Colby and Monterey Jack are also acceptable. Because mm. you you make it by in the, a similar way to American cheese. You like take cheese and grind it up and mix it with all kinds of you know oils and emulsifiers and salts and, and something called stable. an emulsifying salt which sounds cool and was apparently a great discovery by a Swiss scientist Emulf- emulsifying salt yeah it sounds a little like witchcraft to me but just a bit <laughs> let the record show that Veronica was nodding enthusiastically mm, yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay so Government cheese has been created. It's the 70s. The gas shortage subsides. Dairy prices are stable, and the government has this excellent gig where they're buying cheese, or they're buying milk, they're turning into cheese, they're turning into butter, milk powder. Let's take a break real quick, and when we come back from the break, we'll talk about how that turned into one of the biggest logistical nightmares that has ever happened in the world of cheese. Okay. That incredible story (laughs) after a word from our sponsors (laughs) and employers, the North Coast Co-op. Cheese the Day is the official cheese cast of the North Coast Co-op, your local, member-owned, and organic certified grocery store, where everyone is welcome. Hi, Thomas here. You've been listening to our podcast for a while now, and maybe you're ready to take this commitment to the next level. Maybe you're ready to sign up for our cheese email list. Here's why I think you should. First of all, and this is like really kind of the best reason, when you sign up, we're going to give you a 50% off coupon for Cypress Grove Chev. Not like a little disc of it, the whole log, like a whole log of Cypress Grove Chev for 50% off. You can take it home and put Chev on, like, all kinds of things. It's great. Second of all, we're not going to spam your email address or sell your information. All we're going to do is every time we release an episode, we're going to send you a little email. It'll have a coupon in there. Maybe it'll have a little article in there about uh, something related to the episode or a fun topic. Cheese-related news, essentially. And you're already here listening to a dedicated cheese podcast put out by a local grocery co-op so like we think you're the right audience for our cheese email list because it's a cheese email list put out by us sign up northcoast.coop slash cheese tell your friends And we're back. We're back. We're back. And as promised, we're going to tell you the story of how the government stockpile of cheese turned into a logistical nightmare. I'm going to say the biggest logistical nightmare in the history of cheese. Many tons of cheese. What do we do with it? Many tons of cheese. The government stockpile turned into 500 million pounds of cheese. 
and they were renting caves yeah. to store the cheese in that were like as, you saw that article too <laughs> yeah and some of them like as big as multiple football fields and yeah. like stacked to the ceiling with blocks of cheese and the government was the, you so it needs to be refrigerated despite right. being a cheese that is long storing and they didn't really have a plan for how to use the cheese because the government thought, okay, we'll buy the milk, we'll turn it into cheese, and their plan had been to sell the cheese. That didn't pan out. <laughs> uh, because dairy prices were very low, which was also part of their plan, uh, there was better cheese on the market for very cheap, and the government got stuck holding 500 million pounds of cheese, and as you said, started storing it in every available refrigerator, Large yeah. warehouses that were refrigerated, and then eventually caves that right. were cold enough to store the cheese. <laughs> they were renting cave space. And and they had, yeah, they couldn't put the cheese out on the market and sell it for cheaper than your normal priced commodity cheese. Then because then they're undercutting the dairy yeah. industry that they're trying to support. Right. So, so then they're stuck, and they have all this. <laughs> it is a real Sophie's Choice of cheese. Like, what do you do? What do you do with that cheese? Answer, according to one USDA employee, we should throw it in the ocean. Luckily, they did not go with that <laughs> oh. plan. Uh, but that was a seriously considered plan, I believe. So just, oh. well, we've got 500 million pounds Why of cheese. Why is that always the, like thrown out there as a solution? We don't know what to do with all this nuclear waste or cheese. Yeah. They're like, well, put it in the ocean. That was the era of God. throwing things in the ocean. I just read that article about all of the toxic waste off Catalina Island, the oh. barrels down there. It was Some company was like, oh, we'll throw it in the ocean. And now our science has advanced enough, now we consider blasting it up into space. That's our... <laughs> Decades from now, there will be a podcast, probably about cheese, where two people are sitting around. That was the era of just blasting things into space. <laughs> Those people from the, the early 20... 2000 teens, I assume that's what this decade will be called. The 2000 teens, that was the era of blasting things into space. Any problem they had, oh, just blast it into space. Just out of sight, out of mind. Out of sight, out of mind. It's fine. It's fine. So, 500 million pounds of cheese. And this is when the rubber really hit the road. Because in... 1981, John R. Block walked into a press conference at the White House and showed the press a moldy block of cheese and said, we've got 60 million of these. <laughs> and we don't know what to do with them. We're looking to give some of it away. I'm paraphrasing him. That's not a direct quote. I assume he didn't sound like me. Uh, the trouble was this cheese was starting to go moldy. They'd been hanging onto it and hanging onto it and hanging onto it. And it was going moldy. And dumping it in the ocean was deemed a less good plan than giving some of it away for free. So... Well, that's good. The Reagan administration was going to give some of it away for free, which this is an interesting point to note. Uh, part of the way Reagan got elected was by promising to cut programs like welfare that gave away food to people for free. Uh, this was an interesting moment for his administration, and 
I, I believe they almost didn't do it. They almost went with the let's dump it in the ocean plan. And then it was decided wow. like, no, that we don't want to be seen to be that wasteful. Uh, there was a lot of negative press at the time. According to history.com, uh, there was significant negative press. Weirdly, I wasn't. I tried to find some of the original negative press, and I wasn't able to find it. It was all, you know, there was a lot else going on yeah. during the Cold War. Uh, that back then, all the headlines were about the Cold War. Yeah. When really they should have been about the five hundred million pounds of cheese we were sitting <laughs> on, because that's the big story here. How long was it actually sitting around? Was it like a year? Uh, they were. I think they were able to get rid of some of it. To, or sell some of it. Some of it mysteriously disappeared as waste. And that 500 million pounds, see, here, here's um, the next date I was able to find. is like, okay, 1981, there's the press conference with the moldy cheese. They began distributing it under the Emergency Food Assistance Program. And that began the era of government cheese there in 1981. Mm-hmm. And... I was able to find out that they distributed 300 million pounds of it. And some of that cheese million? was distributed Th- as moldy cheese. Three, 300 million. Wow. Out of the 500 million they were sitting on. So 200 million pounds of it presumably was too moldy to distribute. I this is this is an unsubstantiated theory, but I just realized maybe they did throw some of it in the ocean. We should check. Has anyone checked the ocean to see if there's cheese down there? Because like there's 200 million pounds of it that I couldn't find any evidence for where it went. Hmm. What did they uh, do you can look. You can uh, write your representatives and Congress people to Demand ask to for know. a commission to find out where that 200 million pounds of cheese went. Uh I encourage all of our viewers slash listeners to do that. Uh, the 200 million, 300 million pounds was the, the only figure that I could find for like the total that they distributed. And that was all throughout the 80s and 90s. It sort of tapered off in the 90s. Um, and eventually they, they weren't distributing it as much of it in food programs. They gave some of it to disaster victims. Mm-hmm. Um, and shipped it out. You know, if there was a hurricane or a tornado, they'd, they'd ship out a bunch of government cheese and be like, oh, good, like an opportunity to get rid of some of this government cheese. Yeah. And it ended up on, like, School Indian lunches. reservations. Yeah, as a lot part of, of Native like, American food pantry stuff. Yeah. Uh, almost any... There was, there was a whole list of uh, programs designed to assist with retired people and the elderly. Mm-hmm. Um, a whole lot of cheese went that direction and that was, that was sort of the the later years it's like oh well like we can give some of it here give some of it there um there's a lot of programs that got this cheese including like a whole lot of school cafeterias all across the country this was this was the cheese of school lunches for sure wow and now it's all it's all gone there's no more it government all, it, cheese they have tapered off they are no longer producing it uh the dairy industry is doing great now, so no reason to yeah. buy the excess milk and turn it into government cheese. But government cheese has a following. Government cheese does have a following. And I've re- I've read that there there are actually there's such a following. There are actually 
people that have claimed to like worked out the recipe and they make their own <laughs> government cheese. I dug into that too. I got on the internet and I was I was like, I just googled like, can you buy government cheese? Mm-hmm. And people all over the internet, all over Reddit, Yahoo Answers, Core, all the questions and answers forums on the internet have asked this question. And the most common answer that I got was Land Lakes makes a high melt five pound loaf of cheese that is apparently really similar. They make it and <laughs> sell it for food service, but it was available on, or no, it was it was on Amazon, but it was out of stock, which is like maybe evidence of its great popularity. Maybe. Or it's just out of stock. Yeah. And I and I think for a lot of people, the stand-in is Velveeta. Velveeta, which I sh- I have to try now. I I don't think I can call myself a real American without trying it. <laughs> well, I think uh, government cheese kind of has a, a cult following, and it's kind of written into our yeah. American culture forevermore. Now, it's I found literally written in. It's in mentioned a in lot of so much music. Yeah. And probably poetry. <laughs> but like, you know, Martha Stewart and Snoop Dogg do their their food cooking yeah. show together and they they hit the topic of government cheese and did they cover it as well as we just did? I think they gloss over it pretty quickly, but mm. it gets right to the point. Martha Stewart, I I've never had government cheese before and Snoop Dogg says something like, oh, well, you you got to be down low to, to get some of that government cheese. But there's a, a blues artist, American blues musician, Keb Moe, and he has a song called Government Cheese. And it's got, it's got some good lyrics. And, you know, like one of the last lyrics, when you make my macaroni, I want you to make it with that government cheese. Yeah. And that texture's irreplaceable. Yeah. He's got a point. Yes, I'm also grateful for my government cheese. <laughs> government cheese. She's a whiz in the kitchen, and she knows what to do with that government cheese. Government cheese. I want to hear this song so bad. I <laughs> yeah. would love to imagine that we could somehow buy the rights to this song before this episode goes out. Yeah. Like, I think immediately. It, it, I think it really it speaks to you know people that are living in some poverty yeah. and but you know making do with what they can get and government cheese is in there in addition to writing your congress people you should go out and buy this person's album because they're they're a true artist i like that's that's beautiful <laughs> there's a, a new york city quintet uh called samo salomon and they have an album called government cheese a quintet like oh, i'm thinking of a barbershop quartet uh, what's a yeah, okay. Five like instruments. Quintet, you know, five yeah. instruments. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was imagining a barbershop quartet singing about government cheese. Yeah. And like I just had to mention that because I stumbled on that while I was looking at other things for government cheese. And I thought, oh, wow. Yeah, it's really <laughs> steeped in our in our culture. It and really it, is. That era. And, you know, there's nothing stopping the government in the future from making that cheese again. Because clearly there's a market for it. Right? They created a market yeah. for it. It took off. Like they never, they, they couldn't sell it the first time around. But maybe they should bring it back into production just for like, like, maybe like for a centennial, like, 
you know, in 2081, they'll be like, oh, remember government cheese? Like, we're making it I wonder, again. Would they still call it government cheese? The taste of your like, ancestors. Hard times cheese. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Does government cheese have a, a better ring to it? It's cheese, though. Government cheese, government cheese has a ring to it. You can't name it anything else. It needs to be called government cheese. All right. Or potentially All right. just USDA cheese. <laughs> All right. All right. Do you have anything else to mention? I do have one last thing to mention. I just said the government should bring government cheese back into production. They don't do that anymore because now they've got a new gig where they just buy cheese from cheese manufacturers. In 2016, the Department of Agriculture purchased $20 million worth of excess cheese to distribute to food banks, food pantries across the country. Uh, in an effort to reduce the nation's $1.2 billion cheese surplus that year. There was a cheese surplus. People suddenly stopped buying cheese. And Uncle Sam came in and was like, I'll save the day. I will buy the cheese and distribute it to people that can use it, people that need it. Hmm. And we'll keep some cheese manufacturers afloat, which we appreciate. Yeah. I say we. I'm. We're not cheese manufacturers. We don't make cheese. No. But we do... Uh, benefit from cheese manufacturers in that we get to eat their cheese so yeah. i still appreciate it and we're provided with jobs we're selling, we're selling jobs. that cheese <laughs> i think it says something about me that i thought of eating the cheese before i thought oh yes i sell cheese professionally <laughs> that is how i pay my rent and for my whole life but no eating cheese is definitely more important to me than having a job <laughs> all right is that that's that's all i've got Thank you all for coming along on this journey. This was uh, uh, quite this was an expanse. There's, there's a whole lot more history. We'll include some links. Uh, we did not talk at all about the craziness that was the 1970s gas crisis. Um, right. We don't need to talk. That's, that's not cheese. To, it's not cheese, but it, it sort it's of related. directly it affects the yeah. dairy prices that led to the cheese. Uh, it's... There's an interesting and complicated story behind government cheese and its distribution and then the, the end of its distribution, which you guys should definitely read up on. NPR has uh, uh, some, some great articles yeah. about government cheese. There's some good articles on NPRhistory.com. We'll include those in the email that goes out with this. Uh, if you are not signed up for our email list, please do so. That is how you get... I mean, it'll be in the show notes, but also, like, it goes out in the email. I feel like that's how a lot of people get our, our articles, our research. Anything extra we want to send you guys. Also, coupons. You can sign up for our email list at northcoast.coop. That's C-O-O-P slash cheese. Go there and sign up for our email list. Our email list is really cool. We've been giving away some truly awesome coupons recently. There's some really good ones. Yeah, yeah. not like not like 10%, 25% off. No, no. Those are small fry coupons. We do it big here. <laughs> you know us. Good coupons. I think we did, like, we just gave away a 75% one recently. Yeah. Yeah. Coupons on cheese. The cheeses you know. The cheeses you love. Really the cheeses good we cheese. we talk about here. Yes. So go get your coupon. Also, you can follow us at... Uh, North Coast, Co North Coast Co-op on Facebook, Instagram. We've got a website, northcoast.coop. Yeah, check us out. I feel like uh, this outro was going much better 
but you know, you win some, you lose some. Take care, folks. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye.